Welcome to the Trendy Scoop Spooky Special. This is the premiere episode of our new entertainment show hosted by me, Claudia Savage, which will be covering what's new in the world of film, TV, music, celebrity news and more. The Trendy Scoop will usually be released on a Tuesday night on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but tonight we're coming to you live from the studio to help you celebrate Halloween on this extra scary, pandemic-ridden Halloween night. On the Halloween Trendy Scoop, we have loads of segments to keep you entertained, We'll be talking about Halloween traditions and how Halloween might look a wee bit different this year because of COVID. We have Erin from the QUB Film Society who'll be telling us about their members' top picks for their Halloween movies. And there'll be some maybe more lowbrow recommendations for us in the studio. We'll have some scary stories. There'll be guests in from the Literific Debating Society to settle a question once and for all, do ghosts exist? And to keep us all grounded in reality, we'll have our Halloween thought from the man himself, Dr. Keith Breen. This is all in between Unreal Halloween remixes by Cuba Bednars from the Electronic Music Society. But first up for tonight, we have Rebecca Dom and Donahue from our news team talking about Halloween traditions. Now, Rebecca, first of all, I think we need to talk about your costume. What are you dressed up as tonight? Um, I, I'm dressed up as the man himself, Mr. Donald J. Trump. Um, I think we'll all agree that's about as scary as you can get this time of year. Um, oh, absolutely. And for those of you not blessed enough to see Rebecca, she's complete with orange face and the white eyes where the, where the spray tan goggles were on. Yeah, oh no, you have to do the whole thing. I feel like my pores are like screaming out at the minute with the amount of um, makeup I have on, but you know, have to go for the whole full look. Yeah, you have to commit at Halloween. So speaking of Halloween, it's going to look a wee bit different this year. Yeah, definitely. 2020 in general has been a bit odd. I think that's putting it lightly. Um, Halloween's going to be no different. Um, it's becoming all one of those things that you just can't imagine how we celebrated pre-COVID. Like, you know, when you're watching a, a film or a TV show or something and there's people with no masks on and there's just alarm bells all of a sudden going on in your head. Um, yeah, so the traditional way we always celebrated Halloween just screams coronavirus now at this stage, um, going around everyone's houses, like trick-or-treating and things like that. And I don't know if it was just us that did this thing, but it was like, you tied an apple to the, like, the, the door on a string and you tried to take a, take a bite out of it. And between that and bobbing for apples, like neither of those were hygienic in the first place, but they're definitely not now in coronavirus world. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know, but there's all the things you used to do when you were children, but even now I think I'm the only person that's going to say I'm not used to being sober at this time on October the 31st. Oh, definitely not. No, it's not, not normal for anyone, but what better way to celebrate than us with a scoop? So what way are other people celebrating this year? Um, well, there's still a lot of traditions that we can do. Dressing up and carving pumpkins is still absolutely safe. Um, I've heard of a few people doing virtual parties. Um, don't know what coronavirus would have looked like if we didn't have Zoom, so have to carry on that tradition. Um, you can always stay in and watch a few scary films. I know later on we're going to have a few recommendations if anyone is stuck for something to watch. So, like, by no means is Halloween cancelled this year. It's just a wee bit different. We just encourage everyone to stay safe and follow any public health advice. So what Halloween traditions like can we still do? What recommendations have we got in that way? Well, 
obviously, we don't celebrate Halloween the same way as everyone else does. Traditions in different countries can vastly vary um, from all around the world. So I have scoured the internet to try and find some of the strangest Halloween traditions from all around the world. Well, maybe that's just me talking, but I think it'd be hard done to try and find some Halloween traditions that are weirder than the ones that we already do. You'd be, you'd be surprised. So first off, we have the one in Mexico, which is very famous. I think most of us will have heard of it. Um, El Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Day, Day of the Dead. Um, it's celebrated across Latin America. So families believe that the spirits of their young ones will return at this time of the year. So they construct an altar in their living rooms. Um, they cover it with like sweets, flowers, photographs, water, and some of their relatives' favorite food. Um, candles are burned, and then like to try and guide their relatives home. And then on October or November the second, sorry, relatives ga gather in cemeteries and have picnics. Bit strange. Um, usually, yeah, I couldn't imagine going to the grave like for a wee picnic. No, it definitely wouldn't be for park. me. Um, and usually they have like food that's shaped like skulls. Not for me either. Um, and they like just clean and repair the gravesite. Um, the, but where it actually gets really weird and really not for me is villages that hold parades. And in the parades, they often have like a group of ushers who carry a coffin with a, like a living person inside of it. So fair play to whoever gets in, because honestly, I was gonna say, imagine being that person. Not for me. Like, <laughs> is, that, is that good or bad? Is that a competition that you win or lose? To I be that don't person? know. Like, I don't know if that's like an honor to get into the coffin or not. I know, well, that's what you think of when you think of the Day of the Dead, is everyone dressed up with their face paint and all that sort of crack. So what do people do in then other parts of the world? Is there any other traditions? Now, this is a bit of a strange one I found in Germany. Like, it's fairly standard around the world that a lot of the mythology around Halloween involves the return of, like, the souls of family and friends. But what's not normal is that in Germany, it's traditional to hide all the knives in your house. They do this to avoid accidentally hurting the invisible ghosts that have like returned to celebrate Halloween with them. But like, I feel like in general, not swinging knives around the house is good for everyone, not just the ghosts. So they just they take out all the knives out of the drawer and put them somewhere where they're not going to accidentally kill any ghosts. Yes, that's I, like I don't know if that's sort of counterintuitive. Like I feel like they're already dead. Well, it's nice to know that that's a problem in Germany that people accidentally are murdering ghosts, but. So I take it this is like a really old tradition, like something people have been doing just for years and years, and now they're like, why do we even still do this? No, that's the weird bit now, to be honest. Like, if it was traditional, that would make sense. You know, one of those things that like was thought up in like the 1800s and they've just carried on. But Germans only started celebrating Halloween in 1991. No which, way. Yeah. Like, oh my god. 1990, October 31st, nothing. 1991. Everyone had Germany their knives. Like, oh, that was, everyone's hidden the knives. The 90s was rough enough for everyone, but apparently in Germany they just took it a step too far and hid all the knives. Well, it's good to know. If you're ever going to, if you're a murderer in Germany, the Halloween 31st is maybe not the day for you. Everyone has their knives hidden in indiscreet places. So, and not to say, I know you put maybe this one in for a, a lot of our more lonely viewers. You have a bit of dating advice. I have a bit of dating advice for this last one. In Scotland, it's traditional. I don't know why this is related to Halloween, but on Halloween night, it was traditional to peel an apple, like, so it's all in one piece, the skin's all in one piece, and then you throw the apple peel over your head, so then it'll be in the shape of a letter, and whatever the letter is, is your future, like, your next boyfriend or girlfriend is the first letter of their name. Right, so you peel the apple and then the peel is like will form the letter. Yes. And then you know who to look for. Exactly. That's so, good. That really whittles it down. Yeah, exactly. So if you're if you're sitting at home and you're on Tinder or like 
sitting writing love letters to like some random lad from the McClay and QB library. Oh um, my god, someone tell QUV love about this because they need to, they need to know. They need to know. People need to know this. Don't bother, just start throwing apples over your heads. It's the only way forward. Well, thank you so much for that, Rebecca. And make sure when everyone if you're out there looking for love that a, a fully fully peeled apple could be the way to go. And I think we're gonna go to our first set of music here tonight. And it's no doubt gonna be a great one because the music is really, really good. Tonight, there's a man in the shadows with the gum in his eye and a blade shining no so bright. There's evil in the hand, there's thunder in the sky, and a killer's on the bloodshot streets. Born oh, down in the tunnel with a deadly horizon, no, I swear I saw a young boy down in the gutter, he was stopping the foam in the heat. Oh, baby, oh, they were failing me so hard That's good and good and right And wherever you are and wherever you go There's always gonna be some light But I gotta get out, I gotta break it out now Before the final pocket of dawn So we gotta make the most of our one night together When it's over, you know We'll both be so alone Get out now before the final crack of dawn. 
so we gotta make the most of our one night together when it's over you know we'll both be so
thank you, Cuba Bednarz, for that amazing Halloween remix, and we're going to hear more of that later. So for now, the news team cover a lot of controversial issues in Scoop on Sunday, but I think tonight we're going to blow COVID, the election, Brexit, all those debates out of the water, because tonight we're talking about something that really matters, our ghost real. I'm here with Tira and Matt from The Literific. Tira's going to be taking the proposition and Matt's going to be taking the opposition. So Tira, tell us why ghosts are real. So to start off, I think it's important to acknowledge that we don't have any scientific evidence to prove without a doubt that ghosts do not or do exist. However, one of the profound things we need to consider is the abundance of paranormal activity and appearances throughout the countless cultures and countries dating all the way back to the beginning of human existence. And firstly, for some definition, the concept of a ghost is based on an ancient idea that a person's spirit exists separately from their body and continues to exist after that person dies. This concept seems to hold strong throughout history and cultures. Secondly, there have been multiple sightings and stories of individuals frequently reporting the same ghost. This isn't just one or two, but several areas around the world. It's quite an interesting thing that multiple people have seen the same spirit over many years. Not to cancel out any personal sightings, because even I have many stories of my own, but for the sake of argument, I believe acknowledging the idea that many different people have had the same encounter can be hard to explain. Similar to specific ghosts being, being seen, uh, there are also several haunted places and locations that seem to lend themselves to the paranormal world. These even include sightings of armies on famous battlefields, like uh, sites from the Civil War, St. Gettysburg, sites from Turkey and France. And finally, to simply state that the paranormal world does not exist poses an issue of proof, due to the fact that when it comes down to it, only the dead really know for sure. And I'm under the personal belief that uh, the soul continues to exist after it departs from the physical body, and most of that belief is tied to the paranormal experiences I have had myself. Uh, I understand that not everyone has had an experience like this. However, we cannot write off the abundance of cultural, geographical, and historical sightings that come to light. This is not a new topic, and it's not one that is of just religion or the individual. The idea of the ghost dates back to the beginning of recorded human existence and should not be written off simply because we are unable to understand it through the scope of modern science. Thank you, Tira. So, Matt, I'm sure there's a lot you want to come back to there. So, tell us your argument. So, why should we not believe in ghosts? Well, it's nice that we're talking about something that really matters here, which is the existence <laughs> of ghosts or paramilage, uh, no, uh, paranormal <laughs> activity. Oh, um, Sorry, thing. <laughs> so, one in three British people believe that ghosts do exist. So, the majority kind of has it at the moment. So, I do think uh, the argument really has to be made from people that do believe in this kind of activity and the existence of ghosts to convince the major British and like worldwide public. But I think most people don't believe in ghosts because although it's a nice thing, it's something that we'd all kind of like to, to think about, that there's kind of this past that lives on, this, this thing that is, is, is a real tangible existence compared to just an artifact in a museum or the remnants of someone's life long gone. I think that what we have to appreciate is that most paranormal activity, most people that believe in ghosts, most people that say and claim to have experienced things to do with ghosts, usually come with some sort of an answer, such as haunted places that might have leaks of gas or other things that cause hallucinations and experiences of what would be an, an existentially a kind of high experience. Or just things such as mental health issues which cause visibility when people kind of have paranoia, etc. And therefore the, bot the mind plays tricks on people. Or even just our own longing to, to hope that we exist once we go beyond the grave. But I think that it's in our heads, it's what we want to believe, but it's not necessarily something we should 
believe. Because I, like most people, love going on Netflix and watching a spooky, spooky story, um, watching a good thriller as a film. But it's a film. It ends there with the special effects. It's not real. And unfortunately, I think that society, well, two out of three of us believe that. Well, Matt, there's a lot of phenomena that we don't understand or that we couldn't at one time understand. So, for example, people like never may have had the capabilities to be able to see or measure atoms. So couldn't ghosts of the paranormal be an example of something that we haven't developed the ability to really measure yet? As Tira was saying about how we look at everything now through science and we're finding out more about the scientific world, but maybe this is just a realm that science isn't... Hasn't, hasn't caught up to yet. Yeah, I, I understand that argument, but I also think that as science progresses, we realise that people aren't witches, and whether we tie them to a chair in a lake and they float or they don't, it doesn't really prove anything about magical, mystical abilities. I think once we progress with science and we gain greater understanding, we will be sure to know that possibly once you die, once an army is defeated, once a place has had a horrific thing happen there, it it ends there and it ends with that. So I, I, I do accept that maybe we will discover some sort of elements that we can then apply to ghosts, but are they people in white sheets dancing about? Perhaps not. That's not what I think. Well, Tira, someone that maybe is a bit more interested in the paranormal, do you want to come <laughs> back to Matt saying that it's people in white sheets dancing about? Because I think you might think that there's a bit more to paranormal and to what people think of when they think of a ghost than a person in a white sheet. Yeah, I do. I do get where he's coming from for sure. But I, like I've said uh, before, I've had a lot of personal experiences myself. So it's it's kind of brought me to the belief that there's got to be something because it, it, what I felt wasn't normal, per se. I guess. Do you so. want to tell us about it here? Because <laughs> well, it's Halloween night. I think we're all ready for. Oh, it's here. a creepy one for sure. But the one that I can that really comes to mind was uh, I was driving home from a friend's house and they came out to wave goodbye and they kind of stopped randomly came up to my car and looked at me weird and he was like, are you, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. What's going on? I'm, I'm, I'm fine. He's like, all right, well, you know, let me know when you're home. Text me as soon as you get home. I need to know. And I closed the door, closed the window. He went inside. I left. And the second he was out of sight, the whole 30-minute drive home, I had a horrible, horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach. The hairs on the back of my neck were standing up. I felt like if I looked in the back seat, there was going to be someone sitting in the back seat. So I turned all my mirrors away finally got to my house and the second I closed my front door behind me the feeling completely vanished and I called them after and they said that when they turned around to wave goodbye at me they saw something sitting in my passenger seat smiling at them so <laughs> that is something that I that has kind of stuck with me and the fact that I didn't they didn't tell me about it before I had this horrible feeling the whole way home it was not it's probably the worst feeling I've ever experienced in my life and I don't ex explain that with a gas leak or things like that. <laughs> See, this is the thing, Matt. You know, more people in the UK believe in ghosts than believe in God. And a lot of people have a story like Tara's where it's something that can't be explained. And it's a, and a lot of funny thing is a lot of people that have those stories maybe didn't believe in ghosts before or think that things like that didn't happen until it happens to them. Yeah, so I actually have my own ghost story as well, which I, I, I allegedly experienced. I was very young and I was quite ill, and we were staying in a, uh, in a cottage in the middle of Wales, and it was a proper woodcutter's cottage. And anyway, my parents, being the sort of people that they are, saw on the internet that this was one of the most haunted places to stay and didn't think anything of putting a six-year-old boy <laughs> in the cottage. So we were staying there, and anyway, once we came in, it was quite unusual because there were red crosses painted into all of the doors. 
um, which is quite an unusual thing and uh, is actually linked to warding off like demons or demonic spirits. So um, when we were staying there, my dad, being the tough man that he was, stayed upstairs and I kind of slept in my mum's bed, being absolutely petrified of where we were. Um, and whilst we were sleeping, my dad came downstairs, uh, moved everything down and said, I'm not sleeping up there because I can feel something looking at me. And during the course of the night, chairs did move around and you kind of heard creaking and things like that. But I just don't think we can, we can link, we can, we can make that jump there as kind of this six-year-old that's scared and, and is thinking of all these things, that it, that it was a ghost. You know, it could have been wind moving things about. It could have been whatever. It could have been the owner of the cottage enjoyed coming in at night, petrifying people to make an extra few quid. So you, you never know. And it, it's a nice thing to, well, or, or a really horrifying thing to think <laughs> of either way. Um, but I think it is kind of just giving us an assurance that, you know, once, we, once we're gone or our relatives are gone that we can keep connecting with them past the grave and I think even if we can would we want to should we that's the question well that's another question I'm a bit disappointed we didn't get to a finite answer today but this is one of the only debate questions that we're all going to find out someday if it's real or not so thank you to all our speakers I think we've added some really good insight into the discourse tonight and uh, Matt, do you want to finish up by telling us about some of the literific events and how they can find out more about you? Yeah, so the Literific is the official debating society on campus. We've been around since 1850 and we're doing some really amazing events this year to do with kind of connecting um, our ordinary members, Queen students, with people that shape and influence our society. So we've got the Lit Talk series that we're running at the moment. So our first Lit Talk, our first speech at the society is Mary Lou McDonald. That's on Friday the 13th of November. And we've got some amazing events coming up as well as our ordinary debates. And if you want to find out more, go on Facebook at QB Literific or on Twitter at QB Literific again. So please do get in touch. We love to see you all. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much to Matt and Tara and everyone at the Literific and make sure to give their Facebook page a like. And now I think we're going to have another 10 minutes of music from Cuba. Afraid of no ghosts.
amazing 10 minutes set there from Cuba Bed Norris with the Electronic Music Society. So now given that this year a lot of us are spending more of Halloween inside than we might normally, what better to do to get in the spooky spirit than to put on a scary film? We're on the line now with President of the QUB Film Society, Erin. Hi Erin, how are you? Hi Claudia, I'm good, how are you? Great, are you enjoying your Halloween? Weirdly I am, I have a huge fear of clowns so usually I don't but I'm having a good time. Oh, that's good. At least you, you can stay inside this year away from all the scary clowns. We've got screenings on at the minute to keep me occupied. Oh, that's great. Are you dressed up this year? Not at the minute, but we are planning an event soon where we want everyone to dress up for. Oh, right. Okay. That's really exciting. So how's the Film Society been coping with COVID? Because I know a lot of clubs and societies have been finding it more difficult to maybe like get their members and meeting up and stuff like that. So how have you been dealing with those restrictions? For us, it was relatively an easy transition to go online as soon as we figured out how to get the rights for the films. Thankfully, film is something that can be seen across all different platforms and we have access to things like Zoom, which makes it much easier. The one thing that's missing is we are struggling to get the kind of um, group aspect that you'll get going to the cinema and meeting up for pints and things like that. Um, but we are looking into starting a brand new feature called a weekly film club which is going to be a huge way for us to communicate with everyone online and make new friends and everything like that. It's going to be really, really good. 
Oh, definitely. That sounds amazing. So you've been doing some like Halloween screenings. What films have you screened so far and how did they go down with your members? We have. So, so far we have screened um, Hannibal, The Corpse Bride. Um, we've done Sweeney Todd. We've also done... Oh my God, we've done so many. I can barely even remember. At the minute we've got Shaun of the Dead is just finished and Rocky Horror will start at eight if anyone's interested in that. So those are your screenings that are on tonight. And are they just for your members or can anyone watch them? Usually they are for members, but tonight we wanted to make it special for everyone because like you say, Halloween's a bit different this year. We wanted to make sure everyone had something fun to do. So we wanted to make sure anyone at all could access this. Yeah, so that's so really good. So people, sorry. Those just to any listener and they're looking for something maybe to do, you can go and join in with the film Sadie Screening. So of the films that you have screened, what would, you, what would be your members' top picks? What were the ones that everyone was like right in the group chat, like, oh, I love that one, or would really want to watch that again? People were mostly excited about tonight's screenings, especially Shaun of the Dead. We found that a lot of people in the society love kind of like comedy horror combinations, which was a big surprise to us. Um, a lot of people do not seem to be fans of old classics. Apart from The Shining was a huge hit with fans. It is the one we had the biggest attendance for. We had people from all different classes and courses at that one, which really, really took off more than we expected it to. So what is, when you watch your screenings, do you have like a chat that everyone can be writing into to try and recreate that social element? At the minute, what we're doing is we have a Zoom call running to just show the film. And at the same time, we have a Teams call where people can have themselves on camera and laugh and make jokes and talk like you would through a film. But at the same time, people can minimize that if they don't want people talking over the film itself. We're trying to recreate the social aspect as much as we can. It's just trying to find a way of doing that that suits everyone. So Erin, of all the movies that you've been watching tonight and over the past week or so, what's been your personal favorite? So what's your top pick? My personal favorite of the ones we've shown so far, I would have to say is Hannibal. I think it is underappreciated because Silence of the Lambs is so hugely popular. So I've seen that it's Hannibal, it's, is that a sequel or a prequel to Silence of the Lambs? Hannibal is the sequel and there's one after that called Hannibal Rising that was released in I think 2007. It was the prequel and um, both are really, really good, just completely overshadowed. But Hannibal is one of those like psychological things that really just capture entire attention and those that were attending that day were completely blown away that no one is talking about this film. Yes, yeah, so for anyone that's listening tonight, Hannibal and Shaun of the Dead seem to be the top picks. You watched Rocky Horror as well. I know that it can be, some people really love or hate Rocky Horror. So what did your members think of that one? We actually ended up getting a lot of musical society members tuning in and getting excited about Rocky Horror. Um, the actual film society members preferred a bit more gore, which, you know what, we respect. But Rocky Horror is definitely one of the most popular ones we've shown so far. Like, it has the most attendance record of any film society event to date. It is hugely popular. Yeah, so Rocky Horror, that's another one that people might be really interested in. So if anyone wanted to go about becoming a member of the film society, you should still take it on new members, aren't you, Sarah? We are. We take members the entire year. We're one that are able to take members even up to, like, July. So all you have to do to become a member is visit our microsite on home.qubsu.com and that is where you'll find the link to sign up or you can just contact us on any of our social media. Yeah, so what, what are your best social media? Is your Facebook page? 
we use Facebook and Instagram daily, so both would you'd catch us on pretty easily. Yeah, that's perfect. So thank you so much, Erin. Thank you for having me. It's always good to talk about the Film Society. Yeah, no bother. So make sure to go and give the Film Society a like on their Facebook page. And we hope everyone's enjoying their screenings tonight and is enjoying their Halloween. So just to round that up, the topics in the Film Society are Hannibal, Shaun of the Dead and Rocky Horror, if you're looking for some scary Halloween viewing for tonight. And now I think we're going to have another 10-minute segment from Cuba Bernard's.
done in Halloween tunes. They're from Cuba Bed and Ours. Just before that, we were talking to Erin from the Film Society about what they've been enjoying over the spooky season. So we're going to have a chat in studio about some maybe less critically acclaimed pieces of Halloween media because it's time to talk about our Halloween guilty pleasures. I'm here with Emma and Rebecca Walton Hello. and our in-house uh, Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca Dobbin Donahue. And so, so we're going to talk a bit about things that we love to watch at Halloween that are so just cheesy and disgusting. But let's talk about something that shouldn't be a guilty pleasure, but now it is. Going out. Remember Halloween nights out. Halloween mm -hmm. nights out are the best nights out. Anyone says Christmas is wrong, there's a hot take. Well, New Year's. No, New Year's no, it's Halloween. Halloween. Do you mean best or messiest? Ha like, people get the most drunk on Halloween night, yes. But does that mean it gets the best? It's the best because me and Rebecca were talking about this. Maybe this is just because we are raging narcissists. This is true. But on Halloween, everyone is so confident because they're not themselves. Everyone's dressed up. So they're just on like 11 out of 10 confidence, but everyone in the whole place is like that. Yeah, and they're so much more like lovable and like giving. Like people are like, even if your costume is so bad, they'll be like, you tried, you're amazing, congratulations. Everyone gets 10 out of 10 for effort on Halloween. We should be like that more often. I feel like Halloween vibes on a night out is what should be the vibes all the time. It would just be a better world to live in. That's, that's what I think. It really would. Like I just, I miss Halloween nights out. And like you would just go up to someone and like the, like wearing a costume and every, everyone's a walking conversation starter. And what helps is it's a competition. So it'd be great if we just showed up to a night out on like a Thursday and everyone was like, okay, best dressed is, and then you just give people medals. Yeah, best dressed for normal nights out. Yes. Imagine going up to someone and say, I love your outfit. Here's a medal and a free shot. That's what I want. Yes, uh, I really think we need to... Bring that in. Bring that in. That really nice. Yeah, this is the scoop hot take. We need to implement more Halloween night out activities on regular nights out, yeah. including fancy dress. Including, yeah. fancy including dress all the time. Why is that exclusive to Halloween? Yes, Honestly. absolutely. I like dressing up all year round. It shouldn't just be one night of the year that's socially acceptable for me to dress up. But you might get a really good Halloween costume idea in March. And then by the time October comes around, you have no idea what to dress up as because you can't remember what you want to dress up as. I guess I dated. I guess I dated. Yeah. Joe Exotic was a really cool Halloween costume, like, at the middle of lockdown. Yeah. It's, not as, it's just not as on topic anymore, you know what I mean? I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's that when the, when the clubs open again and we're all ready to go out, I think everyone's sort of being like, oh, like, I'm going to have such a nice outfit. I'm going to look so good. Let's just hit the clubs 24-7 in fancy dress. That's the message I want to take from this Halloween. Are you running for president, you say? Because that's a message I can... Vote for me. We'll have Halloween all year round. Right in Claudia Savage. Yes, thank you. So, but sadly for everyone, we cannot go out on Halloween. So when we're staying in, what do we love to watch that's really just... We should be keeping this to ourselves. We should be watching this in the privacy of our own homes and not telling anyone. But we're going we're gonna to talk about it. So Rebecca, what is your what is your Halloween guilty pleasure that just warms your wee heart? Yeah, right. So Hocus Pocus. Now I'm not even saying this is Halloween warms my heart. I could watch Halloween, like watch Hocus Pocus any time of the year, and it could be the greatest film of all time. And I have three reasons why it is the best film. Okay, so my first one is absolute roller coaster of emotions. Okay, film has literally everything in it. It's hilarious. It's physical comedy and quick wit. It just has you laughing the whole way through it. Bit of a romantic story as well for all all the all the lo all the love lovely people out there. Love a bit of a, <laughs> love, love a, bit of a romantic hopeless story. romantic hopeless romantics among us. Um, has scary Halloween elements as well. I'll not lie. See the witches like trying to lure all the children away. That still freaks me out a wee bit. It freaked me out when I was about eight. 
hasn't changed at all. And even with all that, you probably still cry at the end of it. And like that roller coaster emotions, I can't hack it when I was nine. I still can't hack it when I was nineteen. It's a timeless classic. It's one for all the family, really and truly. It really is. And then the other one of my other reasons for it is the Sanderson sisters, the three main characters, the witches, they are a whole mood the whole time. Honestly, we need to stop asking people which like sex in the city characters are, because no one cares. I don't want to know that. I want to know which Sanderson sisters. Yeah, I think we need to we need to get rid of rid of astrology. There's no more Pisces, there's no more Libras. There is which Sanderson sister are, are you? you? That's Winifred. your personality type. Exactly. That's exactly what your Which one are you, Rebecca? And tell us why. I feel like I am a bit of a Winifred because she's just really sarcastic and hateful all the time. Yes. I, I, I feel like I connect to that on a personal level, but also a wee bit thick as well. But sort of the brains of the operation, you know, she has a lot going on. I feel like that I have a lot going on. Okay, you love yourself. Yes, I know I do. I know I'm a raging like um, narcissist, as we said earlier. And then my last reason is purely for the performance of I Put a Spell on You. I think it might actually be one of the greatest song covers in a film of all time. I think we have a clip of I Put a Spell on You, Rebecca, and not to be treating you more than you deserve. Oh my god, here we go. Absolutely stunning work. It's like it is up there with the Fairy Godmother's performance of I Need a Hero. Those Trump. are and that is big saying, words. That is, I don't say that lightly. That's I a like, high that's, bar. You that's, are saying I, I'm bold. putting it down there. It is, it is one of the great, greatest film song performances. Of oh my time. god. So there that's we it. go. Rebecca saying Hocus Pocus is up there with Shrek 2. Seriously big claims being made here tonight, folks. You better watch it, Rebecca, because that one's going to follow you. Now, to our other Rebecca. Hi. What is your Halloween guilty pleasure? What or do you just love to watch? Just really warms up your wee cold dead Halloween heart. Okay, I'm not, I don't feel guilty about this. I want this to be put out here first. My movie is Zombies, the Disney decom classic that is a musical. For the uninitiated and for the, for the uneducated, I should say, yes. uh, decom is the abbreviation for Disney Channel original movie used by people who have no life. Like um, our, like ourselves. So, so the the decom zombies and why why is it so good, Rebecca? Tell us about it. It's just it's something magical that I can't really explain between the cast. I think anyone that watches this, it's a movie to watch with your friends, and you watch it in your house, and it comes on, and you all are a part of it, and everyone can relate to a part of zombies. It's got it's a musical, obviously. So it's got obviously, obviously. I assume everyone's seen it. It's got every dance number you need, and it's got cheerleaders and zombies. So I feel like it's the perfect balance, and it's got something for everyone. And we have a wee clip of zombies. I don't mean to get you all excited oh. again. I know. And for anyone that heard that clip might think, oh, that's funny. Like, they like that ironically. We love zombies. No, it's, we do. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's unironic. I really think that's one of like, the best songs ever. And it's got, we talked about love stories and hocus pocus, but this is a proper love story. It's been a girl with bad hair and a zombie. And <laughs> it speaks to my soul on a very, very deep level. Because you have bad hair. Oh, <laughs> oh no. All the people 
I noted that came from someone who cut a slit in their eyebrow during lockdown <laughs> and was very proud of it. Girls, this so. is getting too personal. All I'm going to say is every all, this, all these girls' Twitter handles are going to be up. And if you are a zombie and you need a girlfriend with bad hair, you know where to go. We're all here. So moving on to... No, do you know what? We're going to move on, but I think I'll go next. Uh, oh. <laughs> my recommendation is Bob's Burgers. Now, Bob's Burgers, they do a Halloween episode every season, and I love them. They, they do. This is going to be the third time I've said this, but it does warm my cold, dead heart. They're a good one if you like, fell out of love with Halloween, because it reminds you why you loved Halloween when you were a child. But my favourite episode, season six, episode three, The Haunting, because they have, like, there's a recurring joke in the show where they have this boy band called Boys For Now, which is like the show's party of like One Direction. But they have a Halloween song and it's called I Love You So Much It's Scary. And this is in my playlist, in my Halloween playlist. I listened to it like three times today when I was getting ready and unironically I listened to it in the car, blurring out of my Fiat 500 was this song. Now, I don't know, like we were already talking about zombies, but I just want I just want a zombie boyfriend who's too nervous to ask me out to the prom me. Do you know the worst thing about that song is that like if you listened to it, if it came out on like Cool FM, I would fully believe that like One Direction have released a new song. I want you to take that back, please. I love One Direction, <laughs> like I love One Direction, but like it is very boy band. That's why I love boys for now in the show, because like they like are fully making fun of boy bands and making fun of people that like boy bands, but I still find it so funny. Like, as someone that loves boy bands, like, I, I agree. Like, if One Direction released that song, I would be like, oh my god, what a banger. Like, I love you so much, it's scary. Well, as you should. I mean, it's a catchy tune. I'm going to go home and download it, honestly. Everyone needs to add it to their Halloween playlist right now. I love you so much, it's scary. And watch that Bob's Burger episode because it is amazing. And I think we're having more musical recommendations when we're going over to Emma. I am a self-proclaimed gleek. I love Glee. Oh no, cut the line. <laughs> no, she didn't tell me that. No, it has been 11 years of my life and I'm not ashamed of it. And it's not, it should be critically acclaimed, but it's not. The episode is season two, episode 11 or something. It's called Sue Don't Sue. act like you don't know. <laughs> Sue Sylvester Shuffle. Um, and it's not exactly a Halloween episode. Like, I'm pretty sure it's not. Maybe it is Halloween in the episode, but... See, Glee is so weird. It's it, probably not even Halloween. It's not Halloween. I don't think it is, because they did a Rocky Horror episode for Halloween. But this episode is better. They do a mashup of Thriller and Heads Will Roll by the IAS. Now, I might have to start dancing, because I think we have a clip. I'm all I'm going to say is that's so embarrassing Why? for Michael Jackson that Glee topped his form. Yes. I can't believe it. And they do another song, She's Not There, I think is underrated, where all the jocks dress up as zombies and they sing She's Not There. And that's an, it's an underrated bop. I'm not going to lie. It's a good song. There's far too much zombie chat going on here. I love a zombie. <laughs> But yeah, I, I would recommend... And what about, it's the, the Rocky Horror episode of Glee. Now, Rocky Horror is yes. a bit of a cult classic, so does Glee do it justice in their Rocky Horror episode? They do it in their own way. 
It's very different, so no. Uh, no, <laughs> but Lee always does. They put a Glee spin on everything. Like. Yeah, well, Rocky Horror has very mature themes. Like, Glee can't really get into 12 rated. Like, in Rocky Horror, you know, I went to see it last year in Edinburgh, actually. Um, oh, watch out, folks. She's yeah. been out of the country. I mean, sorry. <laughs> don't, don't make you jealous. I'm with the guy from Blue. What's his name? Duncan something? But, um, there's the flexes are just keep being thrown down here. Sorry, but sorry, um, Emma's head's not gonna fit out of this studio, folks. But you know, there's, there's like orgies and there's like a lot of infidelity and there's trans people and Glee don't really get, well, they explore it a wee bit, but they don't really get into that. They do what Glee do, where they do it enough, they, they go so far as to be offensive, but not far enough as to do it any actual justice. But when Glee are being offensive, it's funny. <laughs> when Glee is being offensive, Glee is at its best. Yes, but Sue Sylvester is the best character in Glee, hands down, and she is being offensive. All she's the time. an awful human being, but it's hilarious. But she's so funny, and Jane Lynch is actually a queen, so there's nothing wrong with it. That's amazing. So thank you so much. Or I don't even know if I should be saying that. Thank, thank you for that. Th that's over. <laughs> now that that mess of a segment is done, let's keep the Halloween vibes going with a scary story from Hebe Lawson, the Grand High Witch of Queen's Radio. Fryebush Cemetery, a crime baby. Fryebush Cemetery in Stranmalis, Belfast, is known as one of the most haunted places in Northern Ireland. One former resident story stood out as the most chilling. I lived near Fryebush Cemetery. I hated the place. It was old and creepy. There was always a strange mist that hung in the air that made me shiver whenever I walked past it. I didn't care how historic it was. I thought they should tear it down. One rainy day, I was sitting on my couch, drinking a glass of wine and reading a book. The sound of the rain thumped on my roof, but there was a moment, around nine, when it let up. The wind still howled through, and through its cries, I could distinctly hear the baby's wail. I sat up, listening. None of my neighbours had small children, and I didn't know who could take their child out in this weather. I kept listening. My ears perked, but the sound had faded. I relaxed once more into my book, and it was about 11pm before I finally closed it to go to bed. I had just laid down in my bed when I had suddenly heard the baby's wail again, louder and closer. I sat bolt upright, my heart thumping as hard as the rain now. This time, the sound did not fade. The baby's cries echoed again and again, hurting my ears. Finally, I couldn't take it. I put my raincoat on and over my pyjamas and grabbed my umbrella and went outside to see what kind of idiot had taken their baby out for a stroll in this rain. The night was horrendous. The rain was cold and beat hard against me as I followed the sound of the baby to the gate of Friarbush Cemetery. I wanted to go back home, but what if there was a child in the cemetery left by some idiot who wanted to get rid of it? I couldn't go home without checking. I walked into the cemetery and began searching for the source of the cries. They led me to an old, twisted tree that the local kids called Friar's Thorn. It was like something out of an evil fairy tale, bent and twisted. It was pitch black, and all I could hear was wind and rain and this baby's cry. Suddenly, I felt something at my ankle. I looked down and saw a dark blob at my feet. It looked like a black jelly, except more creamy than gelatinous. There was no real form to it, except an ill-defined circle atop a longer, ovalish mass. I reached down, and it came towards me. What I thought was its hands, but it really was hard to tell. I shrieked and jumped back, 
tripping over the tree's roots. The mass slithered towards me while I lay there panting in the centre of the black form that I thought was its head a hole opened up. I don't know how to describe it, except to say that it was a light grey hole with streaks of red like blood running through it. A long, high-pitched baby's wail blasted from the hole so loud it made my eyes water. I stood up and ran. When I got back to my house, I turned on every light and locked every door and window. I listened to that thing cry for me all night long. It was the last night I ever slept in that house. The Spooky Scoop. Writing on the wall. A young boy is sleeping in his bed on a normal night. He hears footsteps outside his door and peeks out to see what is happening. His door swings open quietly to reveal a man carrying the corpses of his parents. After silently propping them up on a chair, the man writes something on the wall in the blood of the dead bodies. He then hides under the child's bed. The child is scared beyond belief. He can't read the writing on the wall and he knows the man is under his bed. Like any child, he pretends that he slept through the whole thing and hasn't awoken yet. He lays still as the bodies, quietly hearing the breaths from under his bed. An hour passes and his eyes are adjusting more and more to the darkness. He tries to make out the words, but it's a struggle. He gasps when he finally makes out the sentence, I know you're awake. Very scary there from Hebe. I hope everyone can sleep tonight after that. But just to pick up the mood again, we have some more tunes from Kuba Bednarz. Yeah. 
beloved regular segment but with an extra spooky scary twist it's the thought of the week from dr keith breen did somebody say keith breen hello folks um it's keith breen here again let me begin by saying that i'm really really delighted to be here again once more um uh, to contribute to this show with a further thought of the week um, I hope you're all doing well this Halloween. 
and some of the things that one does over Halloween, apple bobbing, barn brack eating, pumpkin carving, etc. You're getting to do that. Of course, we're not able to do the really fun things, such as dressing up and partying like maniacs and so forth. But next year is another year, and I'm sure it'll be fantastic next year. It being Halloween and all, I got thinking about monsters and about how we should understand the origins of our fascination with monsters. And I mean by monsters here, in particular, the likes of Dracula and other vampires and so forth. In relation to this, I also got thinking about Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Uh, it's a work that I, that I reread in the, in the past few weeks. It's a really great work. And it really helps clarify, I think, things monstrous. You probably know the story already um, of Heart of Darkness. Basically, a guy called Marlowe relates the tale of his travels in the Congo and meeting with a white man called Kurtz. Kurtz, who runs an ivory gathering mission deep in the interior. He is, Marlowe is both attracted and appalled by Kurtz. Kurtz, a once highly civilized European who had been driven by noble motives, has become a mighty warlord chieftain who lords over the indigenous people and who has gradually descended into tremendous acts of brutality and violence. Kurtz dies eventually, and the last words he says are simply this, the horror, the horror. Now, you'll know those words if you're a fan of the film Apocalypse Now. The director of that film, Francis Ford Coppola, partly structured Apocalypse Now around Conrad, Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Conrad's Heart of Darkness is a great book because it works on so many levels. For example, it can be read as a thoroughgoing critique of the Belgians who had colonized the Congo and who engaged in horrific abuses. Abuses highlighted by Roger Casement who was himself later executed for his role in the 1916 Rising. The book can be read as a critique of imperialism generally. And, and this is how I like to read it, uh, it can also be read as a critique of the hypocrisy of the so-called civilized Europeans who claim to be the bearers of progress but are really agents of gross exploitation and tremendous suffering. But this time of year, Halloween, I'm minded to read it another way. I'm minded to read it another way because I think Heart of Darkness reveals where the origins of monsters and the monstrous and our fascination with monsters and the monstrous lie. Now, of course, perhaps the origins of some monster myths lie in our shared full consciousness of a time when we as a species were not masters of this planet. There is a question about whether we even are now. We were not masters of this planet, but instead we were the prey of powerful predators whom we both feared and revered and transformed in our imagination into supernatural beings. But Heart of Darkness reveals something different. Heart of Darkness reveals, I think, the origins of the more gripping and more important monster myths. Those origins lie in us, ourselves, in our very humanity itself. What do I mean by this? The darkness, I mean simply this, the darkness isn't out there. It's in our own hearts 
And we live in fear of that darkness. We live in fear of the monsters that, under certain conditions, we ourselves could become. So, let me return to Dracula, the sex-addled vampire you'll be familiar with. Many of you will have read Bram Stoker's novel. And many of you will know that Stoker loosely based the character of Dracula on a historical figure. The historical figure of Vlad Tepes, the 15th century lord of Wallachia, which is now largely a region in modern Romania. The question I ask myself of, of Dracula is simply this. Who is more monstrous, Dracula or Vlad Tepes? And the answer I have to give is that Vlad Tepes is by far more monstrous than Dracula. Though Vlad was no vampire, unlike Dracula. Why do I say this? I say this, I say this because Vlad was also known as Vlad the Impaler. He was infamous across all of Europe and across the Ottoman Empire for executing people by impaling them with posts that were greased and forced up these people's anuses or vaginas and driven slowly through their bodies. The weight of the body uh, pushing it down further onto the post. He did this to tens of thousands of people. Some historians reckon 80,000 people in all. It's also reported that he sometimes watched his victims die slowly whilst he feasted and laughed with his nobles. Indeed, in one case, to intimidate the, the Ottoman Sultan, who had begun an invasion, uh, Vlad had thousands of his own peasants impaled. When the Sultan saw this forest of corpses before him, he turned his army away, utterly disgusted at Vlad's depravity. So, who is the most monstrous? Bram Stoker's sex-addled Dracula or Vlad the Impaler? I think it most definitely Vlad. But this answer's answer is very interesting. It is interesting because it corroborates what I said above, that the origins of monstrosity lie not in some supernatural force, but in humanity itself. And that is one of the last lasting lessons of Conrad's Heart of Darkness. So, if you really want to know where monsters come from, stand in front of a mirror and look at yourself. That's my thought for this Halloween week, folks. Tune in again next week. In the meantime, stay lucky. The Spooky Scoop. Thank you so much to Dr. Rain for that special Halloween thought. Anyone that made it through the first round of Hebe's Scary Stories still able to sleep with the lights on will no doubt be quivering with anticipation of the next couple of stories that she has for us now. Take it away, Hebe. The Stranger in the Coffee Shop. I hate to tell you this, but today, someone will be murdered. They will be innocent, unaware, and as far as it's concerned, totally chosen by circumstance, but murdered nonetheless. The choices are many. To the unsuspecting coffee shop dweller before me, savour that bagel. Every morsel takes you one breath closer to salvation. Your sorrow brow, timid eyes, with every thought flickering within. If you were to be the one, who would be left behind? One hand clutching sustenance, the other retaining communication with the world. It can't be you. 
for you have a wisdom buried within, the attack would be no surprise, no enlightenment. To the Spaniard bustling behind the till, gently caressing every stranger with a single look, maroon is not your colour, but you are fully aware of that. You preen and pamper before every shift, luscious curls perfectly placed, skin glistening with youth, the scent of testosterone falling off you, not aggressive, but forever present, constantly noticed and aware. It can't be you. No murder occurs to the most present. Every stranger near would ascertain the situation. You are to look at nothing more. Now, the target is obvious. The beard, the protruding stomach, the hollow eyes of the nine to five daily slog. You, my friend, are perfect. Your wife agrees, your children agree. You are seated, swiping, swiping, swiping. The occasional chuckle covers your face. You stir, smile and ask, a joke, a whimsical statement. The atmosphere is bleak without you. You do not aid this, you merely accentuate the empty space. You return with a paper, not a phone, a paper. Nestled in your chest pocket, my desires, I am taunted by you. Exchanging pleasantries, you declare the news. You joke, you smile, you don't understand. You have lined your own grave. I must now wait. We will be greeted again for only another moment. You will cause me to lose all wealth, all control, all power. We will exchange and I will leave. You will not retain your smile. I will leave with more than I need. I will smile. This better be the last time. There are only so many victims in this world. A young girl named Lisa often had to spend time alone at home at night as her parents worked late. They bought her a dog to keep her company and protect her. One night, Lisa was awakened by a dripping sound. She got up and went to the kitchen to make sure the tap was off. As she was getting back into bed, she stuck her hand under the bed and the dog licked it. The dripping sound continued, so she went to the bathroom and made sure the tap was turned off there too. She went back to her bedroom and stuck her hand under the bed and the dog licked it again. But the dripping sound continued, so she went outside and turned off all the faucets out there. She came back to bed, stuck her hand under it and the dog licked it again. The dripping sound continued. Drip, drip, drip. This time, she listened and located the source of the dripping. It was coming from her closet. She opened the closet door and there found her poor dog hanging upside down with its neck cut. Drip, drip, drip. Thank you, Hebe, for telling us those two stories. And the first story, A Stranger in the Coffee Shop, was actually written by Hebe herself. So very well done to her. And now we're going to have another round of music from Cuba Bernard's. Thank you. 
Then you say 
It's a sound. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Major. 
Your phone might use great Scott. Say, one of you guys know how to Madison? For God's sake, keep a grip on yourself, Janet. Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Ah, Rooker! I knew he was in with a bad crowd. Damn it! I knew I should have gotten that spare tire fixed. What diabolical plan had she Next, we have Sarah Hyland in Wales Adam as Taco Bell. Sarah's dressed as a taco, and her boyfriend, fiance, Wales Adam, is dressed as Bell. I put this one in because it's a pun costume, like you see these a lot, so they're Taco Bell together, they're Taco Bell, like the restaurant. Like, what do we think of a pun costume and this one in particular? Boot. I like it. Boot! Straight on <laughs> boot. Bad. Boot. I hate it. I hate it. I, I hate it too. It's because they're on a red carpet, okay? They're on a red carpet. If this was a house party, that would be fine. Do you know what I mean? Last yeah. minute, quick, fun. But with no, these, they're on a red carpet. With these cheap, shake and go, out the bag costumes. It's not it. But I like that it's aspirational. I don't think I can be Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas, but can I be Sarah Highland and Wells Adams? Yes. That's, that's doable. And I like Taco Bell. I like a pun. But this is the other thing too. I hate couples costumes where separately there's no costume. Separately... She's a weird looking taco, taco. thing. Yeah. No, but and who she, goes as a taco for Halloween? You can go as anything for Halloween. That's the fun. No, that's uh, personally it's a boot. Are you gonna toot that, Rebecca? You I'm gonna, gonna toot, it. toot it. Yeah, I'm gonna what? toot it. What? No, three boots. Three boots for that, and one toot from Rebecca, who's clearly blind. Next, <laughs> next we have some. We have. Oh, I know I'm already. I haven't even introduced you yet, and I'm giving away that I love it. We are seeing the money in these costumes. It's the Kardashian West family in 2019, and they're dressed as a family of bugs. What do we think? This is like a reluctant toot. Reluctant toot? Yeah, I, I love it. Great. It's executed really well, which is obviously great, and it's a family costume. It's cute. I just, I don't, I'm not blown away. It's no, like, it's not, it's just, it's not hitting me with the wow factor. See, what I like about this one is Kanye's face is completely covered. So <laughs> I don't think he can say anything, which is always good for me. Like, he's not going to say anything, and he has a tendency to say things, and you wish he would shut up. Like, he, I, I don't like imagine he was putting out many tweets in this costume. It's like what you said earlier. If they were separate, though, if you saw Kim, I wouldn't have a clue what she is. Yeah. No, she it looks like a bit of tinder. It lacks yeah. vision, is what I think. I think it, it just doesn't look like anything. Like it is expensive, but it it's not. It's expensive for no reason. Exactly. It's it, not money well spent. It goes back to they have whole creative teams. I'm sure that poured over these Halloween costumes, and this is what they came up with. Oh, I loved it. It looked like special effects. It looked like something straight out yeah. of a movie. Yes. So I'm going to give it a toot, but what is it? Three boots from you? No, I give it a toot. I'm going to toot it, but it's a it's reluctant, reluctant toot. Yeah. It's still a Okay, so they at four toots. Okay. So moving on, Christian Bale and Dax Shepard, they're dressed as a Christmas family. So there's Mrs. Claus, Santa Claus, and a reindeer. 
and a tree. Personally, I put this one in because I hate it. And I think it is, it is typical Halloween erasure. Mm. This is, why would you dress up as Christmas for Halloween? Yeah. Halloween's Halloween. I'm gonna have to boot it. Like, you know, I am a Christmas fanatic. Like I've already started watching Christmas movies in August. See, I thought you were gonna like this because you love no, Christmas No, but so I still have boundaries. I still have <laughs> limits and I still have, a, you know, for myself, I'm like, I will not mix Christmas and Halloween out of respect for the holiday as much like as much I will go as far as to say a nightmare before Christmas is as far as I would mix Halloween and Christmas. Yes, but this if you're costume, gonna do Halloween, do Halloween. Don't do Halloween and Christmas together. And it's a cheap look as it's well. Two Rudolphs. Like yeah. that's just not correct. Factually, this is incorrect. Yeah. This this eight year old child is dressed up as Rudolph and it's disgusting. Yeah, I want her to yes, be something. She'd be a snowman, it. just not Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to what I think we're gonna like. It's The Weeknd and Bella Hadid, and their dress is Beetlejuice and Lydia from I Beetlejuice. Two. Love. Two, two, so two. It's a toot. It might even be a shoot. A shoot, an extra good toot. I, I just love it. But I think this is because they look, it. this is another one, they look like they stepped straight out of the movie. Yes. Like, I 100% did not recognise that it was The Weeknd until yeah. I read the caption that it was him. Yeah, like, they had the money, they had the time, and they put it together, and it's amazing. So one more before our penultimate one, we'll do one more and then we'll do our last one, is Azizi and Zari as Thomas the Tank Engine. I, it's this not one is, Thomas. He's wearing, for those of you who can't see, yeah. all of these are up on our social media, by the way. He's wearing what looks like an apron made for a child with a picture of Thomas the Tank it's Engine not, on it. It's all Thomas. Yeah, sorry, Claudia, we're going to have to step in here and correct you. Um, <laughs> it's actually James it's the Tank James Engine. The Tank Engine? James is the red one! Yeah, James is the red one! This. Oh my God, I, I apologise to any Thomas the Tank, <laughs> to the Thomas the Tank fandom. I did not mean for this to happen. But this one is so bad that it goes back around to being good for me. Uh, it's enjoyable. It's, enjo- it it's funny. It's got humour. Look at his yeah. face. He knows that he didn't try. See, I gave this a toot because he chose James the Tank Engine. He went for the Tank Engine that matched his personality in my head. Mm. Yeah. So I have to give it a toot. He took time. He took He did. And, he, and I, I really appreciate that, that he picked James. I, that one completely went over my head. Yeah. I was well, not even on his level. Claudia, we all make mistakes. And <laughs> lastly, I picked three of my favourite looks. We're talking about the queen of Halloween. It's Heidi Klum. Oh. 2018 as Fiona from Shrek and 2015 as Jessica Rabbit. And my personal favourite was her 2016 look where she dressed up as herself and had five other people also dress up as her and she dressed up as a squad of herself, which honestly, you have never volunteered to do that for me. So I don't know how good friends we are. Well, your big 21st is coming up, so um, just hold your breath. <laughs> that's good. The theme for that party was going to be me, so we can all dress up as different versions of me. I think yeah. that's a good yeah. idea. I'm going to pick your lemonade mouth stage. Oh, yes. <laughs> Obviously, Heidi Klum. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Heidi Klum, she's always a win, and she's one of those celebrities you always wait to see what she does. Every Halloween, you want to see what she's going to do because it's always amazing. So I think we're going to say it's all toots for Heidi Klum. It's all, two, it's two, all two, two. Yeah. Absolutely. But I have to say, the multiple Heidi's, that's your favourite. It's my least favourite. It's my least favourite of the three. It's just a, un- is it a unitard? A body tart? Yeah, or if she'd chosen But there's five Heidi's. Six but Heidi's. But the main Heidi did that. He did that with the Slim Shady thing. Well, I don't. Beyonce's done it. Is that not Heidi Klum? I'm so, because she's coming for Heidi Klum. Here, you're, no, running, you're throwing a trench coat. Don't you come for Heidi Klum on the show. <laughs> I have a moustache. I have a crop. <laughs> <laughs> I know, okay, well, that's okay. I'll, I'll make sure Heidi Klum gets in your DMs. Your Twitter page is going up and Heidi Klum's going to be after you. I'll send her after you. So thank you so much to everyone in the studio. And I apologise if those opinions got a bit controversial on some of your favourite celebrities' Halloween costumes. 
So I think that brings us to near the end of the show. Let me scroll down to my outro because I was really getting really excited there talking about <laughs> Heidi Klum. That brings us to the end of the Trendy Scoop Spooky Special. Thank you so much to all our guests tonight. Erin from the Film Society, from the Letterific. Thank you, Dr. Breen. Thank you to Hebe, Thomas, Dara, Emma, Rebecca, Rebecca again. Kira, and thank you to all our listeners at home. I feel like I just give my Oscar acceptance speech there, thanking all these people. And remember that the Trendy Scoop will be available wherever you get your podcasts every Tuesday night. And there won't be one tomorrow, but tune in at the usual time, 7 to 9, next week for the Scoop on Sunday. I've been Claudia Savage, wishing everyone a very fun, safe, and spooky Halloween night. The Spooky Scoop.
Don't stop trying